Hey, good morning once again, South Suburban. So glad you guys have joined us this day. And I want to say thank you to all of you who were praying for me and my family over this last week. Um, I have rejoined the land of the living. Um, our family got hit with the crud really bad last week. And uh, the, rest, the rest of my family, I'm the only one who's come back so far. Um, the rest of my family is still really uh, struggling with that. So I appreciate your prayers as we uh, fight through this. This is the first time in 20 years of marriage that my wife and I have been sick at the same time. So we're counting our blessings, and at the same time, we weren't real happy this last week as we kind of just looked over at each other in bed, and, you know, that was our, that was our love language for the week. And so, um, but anyway, um, I'm shaking hands again, officially shaking hands today. No more fist bumps that are necessary, but I've still been lathering up on the, uh, what do they call the germ stuff? Hand sanitizer, right? So if you see me doing that, it's not because of you, <laughs> okay? I always get paranoid when I shake somebody's hand and then they go over and put some of that stuff on right away. <laughs> like, what did, what did I do? So anyway, um, hey, last week we talked about discovering God's will for your life. And if you weren't here for that in message, I encourage you to, to get online, get on our website, download the, uh, the sermon or the podcast. And we, we had a great, um, <clears throat> a great time as we launched into this brand new year 2018, and, and saying, God, what I want more than anything is what you want. I want your will for my life in 2018 and beyond, but I really got to hear your voice. I really need your help. I need your guidance. And we talked about what it is to discover God's will. And today I want to introduce our new series on the Lord's Prayer that begins this next week, and then I want to build a bridge from last week talking about discovering God's will to next week, we're going to be talking about prayer. So today's going to bridge these two weeks. Martin Luther King said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. It's who we are. It's what we were meant to do. It's part of what sustains us. In life, prayer is our main communication with God, and it should be in many different forms. It should be found throughout our life. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can pray. You can pray silently, you can pray out loud, you can pray as an individual, you can pray corporately, you can pray, the Spirit says, uh, Scripture says, you can pray in the Spirit, you can pray with understanding, you can pray in a song, you could pray as a chorus of prayers. You can pray short prayers, you can pray long prayers, you can pray written prayers, you can pray impromptu prayers, you can pray for people, you can pray for situations, you can pray for miracles, you can pray for the Broncos, and we know those are the same thing. <clears throat> the Bible's filled with examples of prayers from the Old Testament fathers to the New Testament apostles, but perhaps the most well-known prayer is the one that Jesus himself taught us to pray. The Lord's Prayer is a universal prayer. People all over the world pray it. But do we fully understand what Jesus was communicating in it? Do we understand that it was actually a model of how to pray, not just words that we were to memorize? Next week, we're going to begin looking at this very poetic and very powerful prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And we'll look at it line by line, and we're going to discover not just what it means, we will do that, but also how it serves as a model of prayer for us in our lives. 
We have some small groups that are going to be launching this next week. As Pastor Spencer was talking about just a few moments ago, these groups, they're going to be focused on developing a strong prayer life during this series as well. I encourage you to check those out in the foyer there. I know Pastor Joe and Mona will be out there. You could check out those groups, find one of those, get signed up for it, and, and, and be a part of it over this next six or seven weeks. Now, as we, as a part of our focus on prayer during this series, I'm going to also invite you to uh, participate with us in a week of prayer and fasting, February 18th to the 25th. It's a month away. It gives you a month to get ready, okay? Many in the church are going to be fasting as we seek the Lord's will together for 2018. Now, if fasting is something that's relatively new to you, I want to talk about it for just a moment. Biblical fasting is when we give up something that satiates our hunger for God so that we can draw closer to him. It's a discipline that, that refocuses our dependence upon God. And we fast to humble ourselves, to hear from God concerning direction, and to receive breakthrough in our lives. But practicing this discipline doesn't earn us favor with God or make us holy in and of itself. Rather, it opens us up to the capacity for God to work inside of us to make us holy by his grace. It's not about earning something. That's not what fasting is. It's about positioning ourselves to receive from the Lord. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail later on today. Fasting usually involves denying yourself of food or a certain kind of food for a set amount of time. I don't see any kind of biblical precedent for fasting cauliflower, though. I don't, I, don't, I don't see anything like that in the Bible. Maybe cauliflower is your favorite food, and you could disagree with me, and you'd have good grounds for that. But there's, there's a number of different ways to fast food. There's, there's a total fast where you don't eat any food for a, a period of time. There's what's called a Daniel fast. It's more about a fruits and vegetables kind of, a, of, of eating. There's a sweets fast, and you know that Jesus has got to call you to a sweets fast, don't you? Like it's got to be from the Lord because it's hard to give up those sugars, it seems. Or for me, it would be a, a caffeine fast, like, like coffee. Can I get any amens on that? Like I know that I, I don't, Jesus knows that I'm just not a nice person without coffee, and I think he really wants me to be nice. However, there have been times in my life when, I felt God really strongly impress on me that he was asking me to give up coffee because coffee is something that's so big in my life. And, and, and so here's the thing. You can fast other things, not just food. You can fast technology. You can fast television. You could fast social media. You could fast toxic thinking. You can fast all kinds of things. The point of fasting is that you give up something and you use that time or you use that energy or you use that focus then to seek God. Now, exactly what you choose to fast is something between you and the Lord. We're going to give you some more ideas as we get closer in this next month uh, on things that you can fast. <coughs> but Jesus tells us, uh, tells us in Matthew 6, 16, he said, when we fast, he's assuming that we will. He doesn't say if you fast. He says, when you fast... We should do it in such a manner that will not draw attention to ourselves. 
20 years ago, when my wife and I were just getting started in ministry, we were leading a, a college ministry, and we had about 100 college students that were a part of our, of our ministry. And one of the students came in one day, and, and he just had a, he's had a somber look on his face. Just kind of dragging himself in, and, and everybody else was talking and you know cheery and and you know good to see good to see and stuff. And I walked up and I said, "Mike, how you doing?" He's like, "Oh, Pastor Patrick, I'm fasting." <laughs> Listen, fasting is not about drawing attention to yourself. It's about you drawing your attention to the Lord. Jesus said, "When you fast, you don't you don't do it in such a manner that draws attention." To yourself. Scripture talks about corporate fasts, and that's what we're doing as, as a church body for a week. And Scripture talks about the purpose of corporate fasting is that we would seek God's direction and favor together. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing starting February 18th fasting and praying to seek God's clear direction for our personal lives and for this church. We pray that He'll give us favor that he'll move on our behalf. You know that there's things that you need God's help on. You know there's things in your life that you're not able to do all by yourself. And so you ask God to, to help you out. A fifth grade boy was praying by himself in his room one night. His dad passed by and he heard the boy saying over and over and over again, Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. And the next morning at breakfast, the father said, son, what, what were you doing last night? And he said, well, I was... I was praying, Dad. The boy told his dad that he had given the wrong answer on a test for the capital of Mexico, and so he was praying that Tokyo would become the capital of Mexico. <laughs> you know, it's funny, but Scripture tells us that we're not to pray amiss with wrong motives, and I think that's probably a good example of praying for wrong motives. But I want to take some time here to bridge these two weeks together now, prayer and discovering God's will. Because prayer is what unlocks God's purposes in your life and it gives us the direction that we need to understand God's will. So last week we talked about God's will. We spent some time on it. We related it to the game of golf. If you remember, we talked about the fairway in the game of golf. It's kind of like a runway that leads you to your goal. And as you stand at the tee box and as you hit the, the ball off of the tee, you're aiming to land in the fairway. In the fairway, the grass is much shorter and it's, it's designed so that it's easier for you to take your next shot and to keep moving towards, towards your goal. And the goal is to hit that fairway and that's what you're shooting for. And God's will is very similar to this the goal is to get into that area designed for you to function in. And we laid out these, these borders of this fairway. We stated that one side is God's sovereign will and the other side is God's moral will. And I want to develop those just a little bit deeper today. I want to talk about those because as we prepare to fast and to pray, we need to make sure that we're positioned inside of these Two borders. Remember, positioning is so important. We're not earning something. We're positioning ourselves to receive something. And it's so important that we are found inside of these borders here in this fairway. So this first border, again, is God's sovereign will. It's what God is already doing 
in the world. It's what God's plan is for all of humanity. So it's, it's bigger than God's will for my life. It's, it's bigger than, than God's will for Spencer's life. It's bigger than an individual. It's God's will for all of humanity. From the very beginning, God had a plan for all of humanity. So let me give you just a few things that fall in this area. This isn't an inclusive list at all. These are three quick things that Scripture tells us God desires his people to participate in. These are super practical, okay? God desires his people to participate in. These are three things. Number one is going to church. I I know that sounds, I mean, almost self-serving. You should be going to church. Well, guess what? You should be going to church. You know why? God said that there's a reason why he's called his body to come together. And in fact, the reasonings on why we're supposed to get together on a regular basis let us know that it's actually supposed to be pretty often. The first, one of the first things that, that Scripture talks about is that we're called to worship the Lord corporately. You can't call somebody up on the phone and do that. You don't get online on a, on a chat room or on social media to worship the Lord corporately. You come together. You sit beside them. You lift your voices together. Scripture calls us to worship the Lord corporately together. Uh, the second thing, it also calls us to preach his word, to, to, to declare his word, and to fellowship together. As, as, as wonderful as social media has been and, and the connectivity of our world, it's actually hurt in so many different ways our authentic relationships. You need to come together. You need to, to actually be together. I'm kind of preaching to the choir today. You guys are here, right? Scripture tells us that we're to edify one another, that we're to build one another up continually. There are so many other verses in Scripture that are called one another verses. The fact that we need one another. We need to be together. And these are lived out in God's body, in his congregation, in his church. So Hebrews 10.25 tells us not to neglect gathering together. Here's the second thing. Serving the kingdom Serving the kingdom. God gave each of us gifts and talents when we were born. He put them inside of you. He knew, he, he knew what he wanted to place inside of you. He knew these talents. And we use these gifts for a lot of different reasons in our life. We use them to pay our mortgages, to, to get a job, and to, to be able to, to afford to put food on the table. Listen, that's all part of God's design. But the highest reason that God gave you these talents and gifts is actually for you to help him advance his kingdom, to invest them in his kingdom. And I want to encourage you to find a place to serve using your talents. It's part of God's design for you. It's part of his sovereign will. It's what he intended all along for his people, how they should be functioning. 1 Peter 4.10 says that each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve at faithfully administrating God's grace in various forms. Now, that's good news for us because we have various giftings and we express them in various different ways. I've told you numerous times, you can use a microphone for talking and you can use it for singing. God only gifted me in one of those. I don't, use my, I don't need you laughing at me, Mr. Singer. You're gifted. You're talented in it. Listen, God made me different than Pastor Drew. 
there's various ways for us to express. I, um, we're talking. This is good. All right. Preach it. Listen, my encouragement to you is to just get started somewhere. Find a way to start using your talents and your gifts to serve in the kingdom. Find a way, find a place here at South Suburban to volunteer or some other Christian organization. But it's not just volunteering in the community. It's not just volunteering um, in, in different places. It's volunteering, it's serving in the kingdom. It's, it's, it's advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's actually the highest calling. It was part of God's sovereign will why he gave you gifts, that you would invest those gifts in building his kingdom. Here's number three, just, uh, just three examples for us, giving our resources. Again, there's a lot of reasons why God has blessed us with resources. There's also a lot of reasons why the Lord tells us to give. Number one, it reflects the generosity that's found in our creator. See, none of these reasons are actually obligation. It reflects the generosity that's found in our creator. It's how God fuels his church and how he builds his kingdom. And it's part of what keeps money from becoming more important in our life than he is. Jesus said you can't serve God and manna. Manna is all the resources, all the stuff that God has brought into your life. He didn't bring them into your life for you to serve them. He brought them into your life for you to give them, to use them. And I want to encourage you in this as well. If you've never trusted the Lord with your finances, I encourage you to give it a try, especially this is a perfect opportunity, the beginning of the year. Malachi 3.10, the Lord said, test him in this and see if he would not bless you, that you would give of your resources that he has provided for you. See, listen, these are three examples. This is God's sovereign will. It's what he intended for his people, how they should be functioning. When we're wanting to know God's personal will for our life, we have to start by getting on board with his sovereign will, participating in the things that he intended for us to participate in. Now, on the other side, this other border is God's moral will. And God's moral will is, is really what his word has already laid out for us. There's some, you might call them precepts, commandments. There's all kinds of different words that you can use for this. But ultimately, God's sovereign will is what he wants us to participate in. God's moral will are things that he has called us to abstain from. See, he, he's giving us He's giving us this runway. He's giving us this fairway saying, guys, I want the very best for you. And there's things you need to avoid and there's things you need to participate in in order for you to be healthy and in order for you to be positioned for my very best. And I'm going to give you three examples of this. Again, very practical, but right out of Scripture. Number one is sexual immorality. The Bible is super clear on this, guys. A number of Old Testament and New Testament passages. Sex, by God's design, only has one form of purity. I just want you to hear this. By God's design, sex only has one form of purity, and that is between a married man and woman. Everything else outside of that is outside of God's moral will. Scripture is real clear on it. There's a second one. Dishonesty. 
You know what really stinks about dishonesty? All of us have struggled with it. Scripture calls it lying, cheating, stealing. We've struggled with it at different levels. It states that we should not allow this in any form or any degree in our life. That means the little white lies. That means cheating on your taxes just a little bit. Those kinds of things, these are, this is God's moral will, and he said, I don't want you to participate in this at all. This is harmful to you. This, is, this hurts humanity. And I don't want you to have any part of it. The third thing is one that's culturally very difficult to talk about, and that is um, this is actually one example of what the Bible would call the sin of excess. So we're going to use this one example, drunkenness. Okay, listen, too much is a sin, and the Lord said it's not okay to cross over that line. A sin of excess, something that God has maybe said this is okay, but too much of this is not okay, and, and, and it's not okay for you to cross over this line. Here's our challenge in our culture today is that most people think the line is way further out than it actually is. Again, there's a lot of other things that Scripture guards us against. It's God's moral will. He's protecting us when he gives us these these precepts regarding things not to participate in. Scripture tells us to walk away from these things. Run if you have to, but do not participate in these. Now, here's one of the realities that we struggle with. This is part of, again, our, our culture today. We've got the sovereign will, the things that God wants us to participate in, the moral will, the things that God wants us to stay away from, most Christians, uh, most Christians will shout the moral will of God and they'll ignore the sovereign will of God. And they'll say, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, but they completely ignore the thou shall. You should be doing these things. And it's so important. If we're to discover God's will for our life, we need both of these frames. They're so important for us because God's purposes for us are found inside of his sovereign will and his moral will. So when we get into this, this fairway now, when, once we've positioned ourselves to start seeking the Lord for his personal will in our lives, scripture tells us that, that God's faithful to reveal himself. But I wanna, I wanna share with you, here, there's a couple of bad strategies and methods for figuring out God's will. And I want to give you just a couple of those this morning. The first is what we would call a fleece. That's when you give a condition. Lord, if you want me to say yes to taking this job, let it rain today. But if you don't want me to take the job, don't let it rain today. It's not a good way to discern God's will. It'd be similar to somebody saying, Lord, if it's your will for me to stop at Krispy Kreme, let there be an open parking spot in front when I drive by. And sure enough, on the seventh lap around, there was an open (laughs) parking spot. It must be the Lord's will. Can I get an amen, right? Okay, listen, that's not the way to discern God's will. I know that there are some biblical precedents in the Old Testament about fleeces that people had put before the Lord after God had already spoken to them. 
But this is not a way that God actually calls us to discern his will in our life. The second example would be the flipping point method. If you guys have ever done this before, where you take your Bible and you flip it, and then you open it, and then you point. And God's going to somehow mysteriously or magically or sovereignly lead you to a passage that's going to answer your, your questions. I know that God can do all kinds of things. I know that he can work in all kinds of mysterious ways. This is not a good method for discerning God's will in your life. I had a pastor who told me a story about a guy who had done this, and he flipped the Bible, and he pointed, and he landed on 1 Chronicles 19.4, and it said, So David's men took them, cut off their garment in the middle of the buttocks, and sent them away. And so he flipped it again and landed on Luke 10.37. It said, Go and do likewise. Listen, we laugh about it, but I'm, I just want to tell you this. It's not a good way to discern God's will in your life. The Bible actually tells us how we're to do that, and that is that we go to his word and that we go to him in prayer and in fasting. It's how we seek the Lord's will in our life. We don't flip and point. We don't lay the, the fleece. We don't drive around Krispy Kreme seven times. That's not how we hear from the Lord. We go to his word and we go to him in prayer and in fasting. And scripture says when we begin to seek him in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, it tells us that God has promised to reveal himself to us. That's good news, isn't it? Promised that he would reveal his will for your life through the power of his Holy Spirit, that he would speak to you. He'd make it known now, this is, a, this is a big deal. This is a big deal because God will reveal himself. He will reveal his will to you. But your responsibility then is to obey. When God lays out his plans and his path for you, you don't debate them. You obey them. See, many people struggle with this. Even churches struggle with this. When, God's, when God makes his, his plans clear, when he, makes his, his, when he has his sovereign will and his moral will and he, he speaks clearly, that oftentimes people then want to make excuses on why they shouldn't obey. James 4.17 says, whoever knows the right thing to do and then fails to do it, for him, it's a sin. See, when God speaks clearly to you, when you say, God, I want to know your will, I want to know what it is, and then God says, here it is, and you go, you're refusing to do what God is calling you to do. And Scripture says that's become a sin now because now you're choosing disobedience. And the great key to fulfilling God's will in our lives is obedience. And not partial obedience, but total obedience. Bill Bright said that obedience is the true test of our love for Christ. Will we do what he has called us to do? And it's the secret to discovering God's will for our personal life. I've certainly found that to be true. So we, we line ourselves up. In this fair way, we, we get inside of, of the sovereign will and the moral will of God. We line ourselves up. We seek God's direction, and he speaks to us, and he gives us clarity 
and then we follow through with obedience. Now, that's your first lesson in golf, and it was free today, okay? It's free today. It's about all I have for you when it comes to golf, but here's what I do know. That, that picture is a beautiful picture of discerning God's will in your life. That positioning is so important that you would, that you would line yourself up, that you'd seek the Lord, and you'd say, God, I want you to speak to me. When he speaks and he gives you clarity that you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to obey. Discovering God's will for your life and living it out is the highest calling. It's where you find the richest blessings. It's where you live a life of fulfillment and joy that we all long for. But it does come at a price of obedience. Listen, I'm, I'm excited about starting this Lord's Prayer series this next week. I'm excited about it because of what I truly believe we as a church are stepping into right now in this season. And more than likely, the same season that you're in as an individual of saying, God, I need some direction now. What's next? What's the next step? Give me some, give me some clarity. Help me to be obedient. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, he was quoting the Old Testament. He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Guys, that's what South Suburban needs more than anything. A house of prayer. Hearing from the Lord and then following through in obedience. That's what we all need. It's what God's promised for us. It's what leads us into his goodness. And we're going to be diving into that as a church over the next six weeks. Before we close this morning, I want to encourage you in making one key decision. And that's this. If you want God's will for your life, you need to begin by starting a relationship with him. It's the most important thing. And it's the biggest move that you make when it comes to positioning yourself here. If you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning before we close. If you guys would bow your heads, close your eyes. This is a holy moment between you and your creator right now. If you're here and you'd like to pray this prayer with me of just saying yes to Jesus, I encourage you to pray this. You can say, God, I thank you for your great love for me. I thank you that you have a great plan for my life. And God, I truly want to get in line with that plan. I want to start by inviting you to take the lead in my life. So Jesus, I ask that you'd forgive me of my sins and that you would become my Lord from this day forward. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, as a church, we want to pray for you and we want to celebrate you. In fact, can we celebrate right now as a church, those who prayed that prayer today? At the end of our service, we're going to have some elders up front who are going to be up here to pray for the needs of anybody who just, maybe your heart's heavy or maybe you've got something that you really, maybe you're wanting to pray for the off season for the Broncos. I don't know what it is, but you got a prayer request. We've got some elders here that are going to be available to just go to the Lord with you. And if you prayed that prayer, if you said yes to Jesus just a moment ago, I want to encourage you to do something. On the back of your connection card today, there's a box that says yes. 
And I want to encourage you to take a moment, check the box, put your name on that card, and bring it up to one of these elders at the end of our service today. They would love to pray for you. That's part of what it is to be a church family or a church body, is that we're in this together. It's part of what makes it amazing. This morning, as we get ready to to move into a a time of communion now, I want to invite you to just bow your heads one more time as we go to the Lord. Jesus, we, we ask of you the same thing that your disciples asked of you. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, God. We ask that you'd shape our prayer life in ways that it's never been before. We ask that you'd mold us, that you'd mature us, Lord, that we might become people of prayer, that this might become a house of prayer. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen.